The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven.
Happy New Year, Ecclesia. Thanks for joining us today for worship. Let's join in prayer together. Holy God, we are grateful that your mercy is new every morning. And we get to begin again and begin again and begin again. And as we step into this new year, we are receiving that with gratitude and looking forward to what you have for us in the year ahead. So Lord, may your spirit be with us. Give us eyes to see you and ears to hear you. Lead and guide each of us as we step more fully into the women and men that you have called us to be. Um, be with us this day as we worship uh, and celebrate together. Amen. my sanity Sweet Jesus Christ my clarity Bread of heaven broken for me Cup of salvation held up to drink Jesus Christ has died and Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Christ has died and Christ is risen, Christ will come
Ecclesia, we continue to be committed to the work to which God calls us, sharing the gospel, caring for the vulnerable in our city and beyond, caring well for our children. As we each consider our part in that offering, please speak this prayer along with me. Almighty God, we long to love you and one another as you love us. Fill us with continued worship and gratitude to sustain us in uncertain times. Help our thoughts to be holy and our hearts to remain generous 
as you free us from all anxiety and fear of scarcity. We seek each day to place our renewed trust in you, reminded that even in the seeming desert, your banquet table is set for feasting. Through this humble offering of our family and in all things, may you be glorified. Amen. Ecclesia, and uh, if no one's told you yet, I want to be the first, honored to be the first, to say Happy New Year. It is 2021, and if my social media feeds are to be believed, a lot of people have been looking forward to 2021, and it's obvious why. Um, nobody thought last year in 2020 that on May 13th, the world would end. And we have been through so much together. And it's just good to have something new, some kind of new start. But I'm always so fascinated at the beginning of the year at people's predictions about their new year. Because I do remember last year, I remember moving into 2020 and so many people talking about how 2020 was going to be their year. And it was really easy for businesses and churches and everybody else to have like a 2020 vision because we were just super creative like that. And people were talking about what was going to be different and it was going to be their year. And I would sit and scroll and scroll through people talking about all those things. And I'd wonder, why do you think that? And why do you think 2020 would be any different than 2019? Because as fresh and new as it feels, even though you can't avoid turning on the television and some morning show someplace talking about a new year and a new you, the reality is there's not a new you. And moving from one year to the next year is just a change of dates. If you actually want for 2021, to be your year or 2022, whatever it is in your future to be your year. The thing that has to change isn't the date. The thing that has to change is you, which is actually good news because the only thing that you can change in life is you. And we have a belief that we're pretty limited people, that there's only so much that we can do. We have families, we have workplaces, but the power in that is that every one of us is part of a system, your workplace, your family, all of that is part of a system and it is functioning right now exactly how it's designed to function. And for some of us, that's a really good thing. We like how things are working out. We like how things are functioning. And for some of us, it's not so great, it's painful, maybe even toxic for some of us. But the beauty in that is that you are part of that system 
And if you change you, you change the system. Because what I sense when I talk with people is that a lot of us want more from our lives than we're getting or to experience something new that we feel there's something out there, maybe just on the other side of a horizon that we really like to experience together. And the reason I know that this is pretty universal is that I've seen science fiction movies. Right, so when I was little, my dad liked this movie called Logan's Run. You've probably never heard of Logan's Run if you were born after like 1985. But in this world, a world of Logan's Run, it is a utopia. Everything is perfect in the world of Logan's Run. And there's this harmony between the population and the resources. But the way that balance is maintained is that once you become 30 years old in the world of Logan's Run, you're killed. And, and so the star of the movie, the main character, this guy named Logan, he's one of the guys that hunts down and kills people once they turn 30. But when he gets to turn 30, when it's his turn to turn 30, well, what he does is in the name. It's Logan's Run. He goes on the run because he wants the kind of life he envisions for himself. And if you haven't seen Logan's Run, you've probably seen The Matrix, right? That all of us are just batteries in this machine, that it's a war between the machines and human beings. And what happens to Neo, what happens to the heroes of the story is that one way or another, they, are, they break out of the world that was built for them because even though the world they inherit isn't prettier, isn't more enjoyable, it's real. The last couple of years, I watched this show on HBO that I don't advise any of you to watch called Westworld. And Westworld is a park, right, where really rich people go and have their amusement. And the park is populated by robots they call hosts. They look and talk like actual women and men. And the whole story of Westworld is about these hosts coming to terms with the fact that they are robots, but they want to be more. And what they call that in the show is getting off your loop. Whenever a host does something that's outside of what they were programmed to do, whatever they were inherited, what their master told them to do, that's getting off their loop. And what we've found in all of those sci-fi shows is that people really dislike the idea of being on someone else's loop, that we have this idea of what we want to be. We have dreams, we have desires about what our lives are supposed to be. But as soon as that happens, as soon as we're able to break free off of our loop, you know what we do? We create a new loop. Like we just keep doing the same things. There are new things, they may be different things than we were doing before, but we're just on a different loop. Haven't we discovered that in COVID? That on March 13th last year, for some of us, so much of our lives changed and changed dramatically. We got off our loops. We shopped differently. We spent time with people differently. Our work started to look different. But how long were we in that before we traded that loop 
for a different loop. And some of our angst about getting back to the way things were or when things are going to get better or when they change, well, some of that's just us wanting to get off the new loop and get back to the old loop or make a new loop out of the last two loops that's different, but it's all still a loop. But there is this time of year, this kernel that grows within us that wants to be different, that wants this year to be our year. It's going to be my year. And it would be really great if that just fell from the sky, if we just wished for a different kind of life, wish for different kind of relationships with our parents, with our spouse, with our boyfriend, our girlfriend, with our children. We wish for a different kind of job. We wish to make more money. We make to have more meaning, whatever it is, but it doesn't. And so then 365 days later, we're right back where we were going, this is going to be my year. And Ecclesia, if I could tell you one thing, if I could give you one gift, it would be this, just to know that if your life is going to be different, that God puts that in your hands. Now, I've been around church world for all of my life. And I've been a pastor for almost 25 years. And the thing that people keep coming to me with over and over and over again is that my life looks the same this year as it did last year, as it did five years ago, and we don't know where to go. And yet the scriptures are fundamentally about the transformation of life, the transformation of your life, the transformation of my life, becoming the women and the men that God envisioned us to be. And so I have a practice of reading through the gospels. Every morning I read a portion of the gospel and a lot of time in 2020 for me was spent in Matthew's gospel. And one of the more beautiful places in Matthew's gospel for me is the Sermon on the Mount. And what I love about the Sermon on the Mount is the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus teaching his followers, teaching his disciples, what the good life looks like. Like we get pictures of what the good life is supposed to look like all the time. Every advertisement that you see on television or hear on the radio, that's trying to tell you what the good life is, shape your reality of what the good life is. But Jesus tells you what the good life is. And he talks about ethics and he talks about morality and how we treat people. Jesus talks about mercy and judgment. And then when he gets to the end of this description of the good life, he talks about building a house. And, and that's not to say that home ownership is the good life. But what is building a house? Building a house isn't just taking up residence or having shelter, though it's those things. It's about new opportunity, growth, a fresh start. I remember when Rochelle and I built our house out in Katy, our, our very first house together, and sitting and picking everything, backsplash and carpet. We got to pick out all the appliances, knowing that even though it was just the two of us that we had this dream, that this was going to be the house that we brought our babies to. It wasn't just a house. It was our future. 
And so Jesus, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, talks to us about what it looks like to build a future, to build a house. And so this is what he says in Matthew 7, 24. He says, these people who are listening to me, these people who hear what I say and live according to my teachings, you are like a wise man who built his house on a rock, on a firm foundation. When storms hit, rain poured down and waters rose, levees broke and winds beat all the walls of the house. But the house did not fall because it was built upon a rock. Those of you who are listening and do not hear, you are like a fool who builds his house on the sand. When a storm comes to his house, what will happen? The rain will fall, the waters will rise, the wind will blow and the house will collapse with a great crash. Now, if you've been around the Bible, if you've been around the church anytime, you've heard that little parable before. Wise man builds his house upon a rock. If you ever went to VBS, you sang the song, the wise man builds his house upon the rock. That's not new to you. But isn't it easy to forget or to not consult when we're trying to build our future? And what I love about what Jesus says about change and transformation and shaping your future are three things. That Jesus talks about reality, intentionality, and wisdom. Reality. Jesus says, man built his house on a rock. And guess what happened? Storms came, waters rose, the wind blew. Didn't matter that he built it on a rock. That stuff happens. Life happens. And some of us think that if we make one good decision somewhere along the way, then that should preclude anything bad happening to us. But that's not what happens. Life just happens happens and it happens to everyone. And the reason I know that it happens to everyone is because Jesus turns around, he says, there was a foolish man and he built his house on the sand. And you know what happened? Rain came, waters rose, the wind blew. And just two chapters ago, Jesus said, God causes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. You have to, we have to be a people who are prepared and ready to deal with the reality of life. So as some of you know, when Harvey came through several years ago, that house that Rochelle and I built in Katy, well, it flooded. We had tenants living in it. She lost all of her things. It took us over two years to rebuild and remodel that house. But we were fortunate because we had flood insurance because several years before that, the government came to us and they said, we've redrawn the lines and that house is now in a floodplain. You have to have flood insurance and you have to buy it from us. So we bought it, then it flooded and we used the insurance. And almost to the day when we had it restored, we got another letter from the government saying, we've redrawn the lines, that house, is no longer in a floodplain. You don't have to have insurance. 
Well, that's not reality. I know that I have to have insurance because it flooded before. And Jesus wants us to know at any point in our life when we're expecting change, when we're expecting transformation, that you have to, we have to be a people who are wide open to the way the world works. We have to live in reality. But Jesus says, we also have to hold that reality with some intentionality. Building is not random work. That there are these two men, one wise and one foolish, and both of them set out. And, and you know what? Both of them built houses. They followed a plan. There was a blueprint. There was a structure. And some of us really struggle with this. And here's the unfortunate reality of it. Your relationship with your husband, your wife, your children, your parents, whoever it is, isn't going to get better if you don't work to make it better. Your financial concerns aren't going to get better until you have a plan to make it get better. That there is a structure that you can follow to help you move from here to there. When people come to me and they say, I haven't feel like I've grown spiritually in a long time. And I ask them, well, what practices are you doing? And they say none. Well, that might be why. That's why, Ecclesia, we do things like be still and vespers. Why we offer pastoral care is because we want to partner and journey with you and with others on an intentional practice to become more like Jesus. But if you want change and transformation, you only don't need reality and intentionality. You need wisdom. You know this story. And Jesus tells this story. And when those rains came and the waters rose and the wind blew, the house on the sand collapsed, went splat, as the song says. Why? He lacked wisdom. It's just not wise to build your house on sand. We lived in California. We lived in this little place called Redwood City. And on the other side of the bay, there was a place called Redwood Shores. And it was all new and glistening. And the houses were a little bit bigger and cheaper, which is a really big deal when you're living in Northern California. But you know what it was also? Sand. The government just took sand from one place in California and drove a whole ton of it there and put it in the water and built this community. It was all built on sand. And we were living there. I thought Redwood Shores is really pretty. I will never live there because it's just not wise. And here's the mistake so many of us make, especially so many Christian people, is that we think life primarily lives in the categories of sin or not. And most of the decisions that you and I will be called to make over the course of our lives aren't sin or not. They're not wrong or right. Most of our decisions are wise and foolish. 
There are a ton of things that you can talk to your friends, your neighbors, your family about, and you'll want to do them. And so you will ask them like this, is it wrong for me to, is it, would it be wrong for me to date him, to date her? Would it wrong, be wrong for me to do? And most of the time they can't answer that question because it's probably not wrong. The question is, is it wise? Given everything that you know, is that the wise choice? And Jesus says, you want to build a future. Here are three legs to a stool that you have to deal with. Reality, intentionality, and wisdom. And when he does this, Jesus is drawing on this ancient Jewish tradition of two ways, of presenting the world in two ways. And here's the powerful part of it, Ecclesia, is that God is the kind of God who loves you so much that God lets you choose. That God won't coerce you or force you. God won't lie or manipulate you. And this is your decision. And that, Ecclesia, is why it is so incredible that when Jesus comes into the world as a baby and lives his life and goes to the cross for our sake, it is holy because he chooses to. And so here's my prayer for you, that as we move into 2021, that we would be a community and people who live in the reality of where we are, both the justices and injustices of those moments and respond to them accordingly, that we would set our intention to be deliberately and purposefully the people who represent Jesus on earth and that we would move through all of it with wisdom and clarity about who we're called to be. Let me pray for you. God, give us wisdom as we move into a new era, knowing, Lord, that we have no idea what's ahead of us, that you would give us clarity about what you're doing in our lives and around the world, and that we would lean into it with a ferocity that trusts that you are with us. And we ask all of this in your name, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ecclesia, we now turn our attention to the table of our Lord and remind ourselves that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and after having given thanks, broke it, said, this is my body. And in the same way, after the meal, he took the wine, pouring it, saying, this is my blood of the new covenant. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord until he comes. And so I just wanna invite you to gather your communion elements and to enter into this prayer with me, I will lead a celebrant if you will respond as people. Jesus spoke to the crowd proclaiming, I am the light that shines through the cosmos. If you walk with me, you will thrive in the nourishing light that gives life and will not know darkness. You are the true light who has come into the world to bring us out from the shadows. Lord, 
have mercy. We ask your forgiveness for our sins, both of our own hands and hearts, and those we stand idly by in witnessing. Help us release our grip on our idols, lift our voices to call out injustice, liberate us from fear and destruction, guide us to find rest in your embrace. Christ, have mercy. Incarnate Son of the Eternal Father, you are the only pure, the only blameless. Only you are the way to peace. Your light shines the way forward. May we go forth and follow in obedience to your perfect will. Have mercy upon us and grant us your peace. Amen.
Our benediction today is drawn from a prayer that is traditionally attributed to St. Patrick from the fifth century. It's an important reminder to me of the all-encompassing presence of God, which is with us wherever we go. And it's my prayer for all of us as we step into this new year together. May Christ be with us, Christ before us, Christ behind us, Christ within us. Christ beneath us, Christ above us, Christ at our right hand, Christ at our left. Christ when we lie down, Christ when we arise. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of us. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of us. Christ in every eye that sees us. Christ in every ear that hears us. Ecclesia, may your new year be blessed with the presence of Christ all around you. Dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.